Hello, friends. Welcome to Awaken the Extraordinary. I'm just laughing because literally as soon as I hit record, somebody who swore it's fast and the furious raceways in our neighborhood buzzed down the street. So I don't know if you heard that, but I'm just like, hello, timing. Could you be more perfect? Um, anyway, let's start over. Hello, friends. My name is Christy, and I am the host of Awaken the Extraordinary. If you are a returning listener, thank you so much for coming back. And if you are a new listener, thank you for being here and welcome. Awaken the Extraordinary is about choosing to thrive instead of survive. For me, awakening to the extraordinary is about awakening to that which is already extraordinary within ourselves. It's just life sometimes bogs us down and we lose sight of who we really are. And we have just kind of all this stuff. I call it bullshit that we need to work through that we need to acknowledge about ourselves. And once we have the courage to do that and really start sifting through that stuff, I think we are able to emerge as a more authentic version of ourselves. And I believe that that's why we're here I believe that's what the world needs is each of us being true to who we truly are. And that's what this podcast is all about. This is a journey that I am on. I don't have all the answers. I may not have many, honestly, if you sit here and listen to it, but I want to share my experiences in the hope that it helps somebody else. And if you have a story that you want to tell an experience that you think people would benefit from, I want to hear it. I am actually starting a new series within this podcast called the storyteller series, because I believe every person has multiple stories that other people would benefit from hearing. And I want to provide an opportunity for you to share that story. So if let's say you went through a heartbreaking breakup or you had a really rough childhood or you learned so much about yourself when you became pregnant with a child, I want to hear about that because I know that other people will benefit from hearing whatever story you want to share. So if this sounds like something you want to do, please reach out to me, send me a DM at awaken the extraordinary on Instagram. You can send me an email at Christy K R I S T I at awaken the extraordinary.com. I really believe that we all can benefit from talking to each other and learning from each other. Even if on the surface, we appear to be really different. It's amazing how connected you feel when you realize that you have something in common with someone else, a shared experience, and you may grow and evolve or be inspired by someone else sharing their story. So again, if this resonates with you, please, please reach out to me. So today's episode is focused on feeling like a bad mom. And I wanted to share a recent experience with you and how I felt about it. And I 
honestly love the movie with Mila Kunis, that whole bad moms movie. I love Carla. Carla is my favorite character because she is just so out there. Um, oh my gosh. I just, I just think she's hilarious. And, you know, you have like the stereotypical bad mom who's like, you know, drinking wine, um, at the kids soccer game, or, you know, maybe smoking weed, like they reference after going, you know, to bed. But I think to me, the, the deeper message there is like, we all feel at some point, I think as parents, um, but from my experience, just talking to fellow moms is like, we all have moments where we don't feel like we're doing enough. And I fortunately don't experience that feeling a lot, but I had something happen to me last week and it just, um, it really just impacted me greatly. And so I wanted to share my experience and just kind of like my revelations about that, um, in the hopes that it may help you. So it actually has to do with my son and his teeth. So a few of you actually conversed with me about this topic. And I thank you so much for your friendship and for your support because I really needed it. And what was really awesome is that in getting support and encouragement from people that typically aren't my go-to people was a really cool experience in and of itself. Um, so if you were one of those people, you know who you are and just thank you so very much for really being there and thank you for being a friend. Okay. So my son, um, I noted, oh my gosh. Okay. First of all, he's four and at times brushing his teeth is the most difficult part of motherhood for me. I don't. I don't know why some mornings and some nights are easier than others, but, um, it's, it's pretty rough at times. Like it gets to the point where my husband and I have to basically kind of grab his hands and his, his feet because he'll kick, um, to get him to chill out enough so that I can brush his teeth. And, uh, it really bothers me like physical restraint. Like I just, it's just, um, it's really hard. And, uh, I don't like that my son, the control that he has over his own body is taken away from him in those moments. Like it really, um, disturbs me, but I, I don't know what else to do when, when things get to that point and, you know, he can brush his teeth himself, but I still, or my husband still has to come in and really do it, you know, and, um, probably about eight, 10 months ago, I was brushing his teeth and I noticed some brown spots on his lower molars. And I was like, shit what are those? And so I was hoping that they were just stained. 
And so I called the dentist and I think I was able to get in the next day and we got him in there and him being in the dentist is no easy task either. And I totally understand, you know, you're in this chair and yes, you might have cars on in the television in front of you, but you know, you have people that you don't know staring at you with half their faces covered and they have these tools and they want to go into your mouth. Like I totally, totally get it. And so we went in and it was something to get to the point where we could look at his teeth. And then the dentist, you know, we went into her office and she's like, well, they are cavities. And I'm like, okay, great. So she said, what we can do is we do this sort of treatment where it, it stops the decay from spreading, or I I know I'm not articulating this correctly, but it's not like filling a cavity, but it's like the next best thing. It's really like putting a bandaid on it. Um, and she said, so we can do that. And then, uh, you know, we'll try to take some x-rays and just kind of go from there. You know, she said like, if, if it got to a worse point, we would have to maybe talk about doing like sedation. And I was like, I don't want to do that. So, okay. So we became really like hypervigilant, me hypervigilant, my husband more vigilant on brushing his teeth. And I think, um, you know, there was a time like after COVID started, you know, I pulled him from daycare for about six months and, you know, we did, he was over at his in-laws a lot and they had Oreos and, you know, Oreos are wonderful, but, um, you know, they tend to stick on your teeth. I mean, I remember like if I ate them, I would brush my teeth and, you know, the toothpaste and the toothbrush would be Brown. It was really actually kind of gross. So, um, you know, I know Oreos were like one of his things. And then we did frequent seeds candy a lot. I have no idea why, (laughs) but seeds candy was like a thing. And, you know, you have the chocolate and it sticks on your teeth. And so I do admit, like we didn't have him swish and I didn't brush his teeth after that. And I think for me, it wasn't really a thing that I thought about, you know, I brushed his teeth in the morning and I brushed them at night, but I didn't even really get my first cavity until I was like 22 or 23. And so I was just like, okay, like his teeth are fine. And, um, I don't feel like he had a lot of sugar. Like he doesn't drink juice. He doesn't drink soda. You know, he, he drinks water and, we don't typically have a bunch of like sweets in the house because like I will eat them and my husband will eat them. So it wasn't just like a part of like our daily diet. So when I heard that he had the cavities, like I did feel kind of crappy, you know? Um, but I was just like, okay, I can kind of understand how this happened. Um, it still caught me off guard because I know I did not have the greatest diet when I was a little kid. Like we very rarely ever had fresh fruit and vegetables. And so I was just like, wow. Okay. So we did that, that treatment, which, oh my gosh, that didn't go well either. And then she wanted us, excuse me, to come back for x-rays and he would not open his mouth for the x-rays. And what just like broke my heart was 
you know, we would go in there and his little brow would furrow and he would just get this really worried look, which he hardly ever has. Like the only time I've actually ever seen that expression is in the dental office. And it's just like, oh, it's so heartbreaking. And I'm just like, I get it, buddy. Like I get that, that this is a lot, but you know, all they're going to do is take pictures. And I even had them like stick the film in my mouth to show him. And that did not work. So you know, we're still trying to floss and brush his teeth and everything and, and going through the battles, like probably 50% of the time, if not more. And I told my husband, I said, maybe you go because he just responds differently to my husband with certain things, just like he does with me. So we were prepping him and then he went in and they were able to take x-rays and apparently, you know, the cavities weren't too far down. So she wasn't overly concerned. And so then I thought the next visit, which was the visit we had last week was going to be to do x-rays again, because we had a baseline from three months prior. So this, you know, for like a week leading up to the dentist appointment, I'm like prepping him. I'm like, okay, Milo, you know, we're going to go in, remember how they took pictures last time. They're going to take pictures again. And, um, it's just, you know, just to see how your teeth are doing. And he's like, okay, okay. So I had my husband take him up and then my husband called me because I was hanging out in the car and he's like, we need you to come up because he's not opening his mouth or anything. And I'm like, okay. So I get up there and he's just, not having it, you know? And I looked at my husband, I'm like, I thought we were just doing pictures because then they had the tools to clean his teeth. And he's like, no, it was a dental cleaning today. And I'm like, fuck. Cause I really try to prepare my son so that he knows what to expect because I had a pediatrician visit, a wellness visit that didn't go very well. And I think it's just because he was being asked to do all these things that he just wasn't expecting. Like it was like the hearing test and the vision test and stuff. And that was a year ago. And so I've really made a point to like prepare him if we have to go somewhere so that he knows what to expect. And so I was just like, shit. Okay. So I was like, come on, buddy, like just open your mouth. And so the dentist came in and he opened his mouth for like five seconds. And then he was just like, no, And so she's like, well, you know, last time he did great, like there were no challenges and she's like, we can always reschedule. And I said, we're here, you know, I'm like, I just, um, I don't want us to all have to go through this primarily him, but I'm a very emotional, sensitive person, especially when it comes to my son. And, um, I'm like, I just, we're here. Let's just go ahead and do the cleaning. So, you know, we laid him back and, and I'm trying to tell him like everything that's, that's happening so that he understands. And, um, he, he like fought laying back in the chair and my husband had to hold his legs And 
like kind of like his arms. And I was like, you know, rubbing, rubbing his arm and just trying to like, tell him like, Hey buddy, you know, this is, this is okay. I know, I know that this is scary, but we're really just cleaning your teeth. And there was a nurse that was holding his head. And then the dentist was also like brushing his teeth and holding his head and trying to scrape them. And then as she's scraping, like I see like plaque build up on one of his canines and I'm like, fuck. And so he's like crying and screaming. And then, um, you know, she was like, do you want a fluoride treatment? And I really didn't want to do that just because of some of the stuff I've read about fluoride, but I was like, I I don't even know where his teeth are right now. So I was like, yeah, that's fine. Just go ahead and do it. But she didn't like, I didn't know that it was going to be flavored or anything. So then she, and he's crying this whole time. Right. So then she like puts the fluoride treatment on this cotton swab and starts rubbing it on his teeth and it's bubbling. And then he freaks out even more. And he's like, I don't like it. I don't like it. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, I know buddy, like this is going to be over so fast. And it's just, thank God I've had my hypnotherapy sessions on anxiety. Um, because like, I wasn't, I wasn't fighting to remain calm. Like I was just calm and I had to be calm for him, but it just broke my heart seeing my son in like this state of distress and not being able to make him feel better. And, um, you know, so then the treatment finished up and I'd never seen anything like that. I was like, I don't know, like my, my experience with fluoride as a kid was like the rinse. Um, funny, funny story here. So in elementary school, I don't know if, you know, if you all are my age, like again, 44, like I mentioned last time, um, then you might have like some familiarity with this. But I remember like when we were in elementary school, I think it was like once a week, we did a fluoride treatment. And so we would sit at our desks and I think about it now. And I'm just like, why was that something that they did in school? And did parents have the option to opt out of that? Like, I don't know. Like now I'm just like, Oh, okay. Like that seems odd to me. But anyway, we did these fluoride treatments like once a week or maybe it was once a month. I don't know what the frequency was, but I remember, you know, we had like, so we would sit next to each other. They were the desks that were connected. And so it was like two and two. And so oftentimes like the desks were either arranged in a square or a rectangle. And so you had two people that were sitting across from you. And then sometimes you had like a table at the end of the corner. So you had like six people at the table. I just remember like (laughs) doing the fluoride rinse and, you know, all the kids are like swishing it around in their mouths for like 30 seconds. (laughs) I just remember looking at everybody's faces as they were swishing and just thinking it was so funny. Like everybody just looked so funny. Like, mm, 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 mm. and I spit it out. <laughs> Thankfully the person across from me was far enough away. I didn't spit on them, <laughs> but I was, I would start laughing and I would spit out the fluoride because I just thought everyone looked so funny doing it. So eventually I had to like, you know, you had your little folders, like the peachy folders. I think like I had peachy and like Lisa Frank. And so I I would have to put those dividers up or like the dividers that they would put up so that kids wouldn't look at other kids like 
tests when we were taking them, they would put those around me. So I was completely like isolated when we would do the fluoride treatment because I would spit it out because I was laughing so hard when I would see the other kids. And sometimes even the divider didn't help because I would think about why the divider was up and that would make me laugh and I'd spit it out anyway. (laughs) I'm like, how does nobody else think we all just look so ridiculous? Like, I just thought it was so funny. Oh my gosh. So that was my experience with fluoride treatment. So I thought it was going to be something like that, where he was just going to swish it. Um, But no, it was like this horrid bubbly shit. And so then like he's done and I pick him up and I'm holding him and I'm like, buddy, you were so brave. And he's like, I want water. I want water. And I was like, okay, we'll get you some water. And they're like, no, he can't have anything to eat or drink for 30 minutes. And I'm like, oh my God. So I was like, okay, buddy. And the dentist is like, okay, so like get gathered up and then I'll meet you guys in my office. And I'm like, oh fuck. So I'm thinking, okay, like maybe she's just going to talk about like next steps in terms of like the cavities and his molars. So we get out and I was having like all of this emotion just kind of run through me. And it was like, everything was hitting me after the fact. Um, and so like, I told my husband, I'm like, I need you to take Milo and all my stuff. And I'm like, and I'll meet you in the office. And he's like, okay. So like, I'm starting to cry as I'm telling him that. So then I go in the bathroom and I just cry for a couple of minutes because I needed to get that emotion and that energy out because it was just so hard. Like I said, to see my kid in such a state of distress and, um, know that I couldn't do anything to lessen that for him. And so I, I got what I needed out. And I met my husband in the office and he's like, Hey, you know, like to my son, he's like, what were you going to tell mom? Like, I'm okay. He's like, I'm okay. And he puts his little thumb up and I, I'm like, I know buddy. And I like gave him a kiss and I sat down next to my husband and the dentist wasn't there yet. And, uh, I'm like, I know buddy. And like, I sat down next to my husband and he's like, he's okay. Like, he's okay. Like we, we knew he was okay. I said, yes, but he didn't know he was okay. He didn't feel okay. And that's what was hard for me was seeing my son in a state that wasn't okayness. And what I was doing just like, wasn't sufficient in calming him down. All I could do was be there, which I know is better than me not being there, but it was hard. Like it was hard for me and I didn't really feel like my husband got it, which then made it worse because I just, I didn't feel like I was being understood and I didn't feel like I was supported, you know, like I was doing my best to support my son, but I felt like I had nobody supporting and understanding me, which sucked. So then the dentist came in and, you know, she was like, well, he had a little plaque on his canine. And she's like, so that tells me, you know, like when you're brushing, like you're not brushing under like the gums, you know, you're just brushing the molars and then you're just brushing the front teeth back and forth. And I go, like, I got kind of pissed off. I'm like, that is not true. I said, when I brush his teeth, like 
I go under the gums and I'm like brushing as best I can. And I said, but I know that there are other teeth there. Like I've had braces twice, like use the water pick. I am very anal about teeth and cleaning teeth. And I think that's part of why this is so sensitive to me too. And I'm like, I know, I I know that there are external sides to the teeth on the sides, you know? And I said, so I, I wasn't like this snarky with her, but I was just like, that's not true. So don't say that because that is not how I'm brushing his teeth. Like maybe we're, we're not always getting the, the spot that we need to get, but don't sit there and tell me, you know, that I'm brushing his teeth a certain way when you're not sitting there, like watching me, you know? And I told her, I said, I can literally say that like 85, 90% of the time I am doing the best that I can do. Are there nights where it's just like, you know what? Like I will do what I can, but there are some nights where I'm like, I am just not up for this fight. Like I'm just not, but the majority of the time we absolutely are. And I try to be really diligent now because I already know he has cavities. And so she's like, yeah. So because there was plaque buildup on the canine, like the enamel there is kind of soft. And she's like, you know, and then of course he has the cavities in the back. And then she said, he also has two cavities between his front teeth. Like, and I'm just like, oh my God. And I just sat there and I was just like, I don't know what to do. I'm like, I don't know what to do. And she's like, well, you know, diet's like a big thing. And I said, I've told you we're like a 165, a 170 degree change from where we were when we initially came in. I said, I admit like he was eating those Oreos at his grandparents. We had several visits to seize candy. Like, I don't know. It was just a thing for a while. And I'm like, it is not like that anymore. And it hasn't been for quite some time. And I said, I literally don't know what else to do. Like, I don't want to traumatize my child and have to like sit on him to brush his teeth, you know, like, and I mean, it doesn't get to that point, but I'm just like, I felt so frustrated and so like much at a loss. And I was just like, so I'm literally doing my best, like 90% of the time. And what you're telling me is like, that's not good enough. And, you know, then she started talking about genetics. And so she asked my husband, like, when did you have your first cavity? And he said, oh, I think I was about six. And then she starts talking to me and she's like, when, what about you? I'm like, I think I was 22 or 23. And she's like, okay, well it's usually, um, diet hygiene and genetics. And she's like, so the hygiene can be better. And I'm like, if anyone, like if you are listening and you have this secret to getting your kids teeth clean or getting them to brush their teeth, knowing that you're going to have to go back and go over it, like, please send me a DM on Instagram because I'm just like, I literally do not know what to do. And so she's like, yeah, like sometimes, you know, just genetics play a huge part of it. And she's like, I see kids that have terrible diets and terrible hygiene and they never get cavities. I'm like, well, it might've been helpful if like you had started with that, you know? Um, but I guess like looking, it's like, okay, well maybe he doesn't have the greatest hygiene, you know, but it's frustrating because I'm like, oh my God, like we, we do try so hard. And so she's like, so 
we have a couple of different options. She's like, you know, he has to come back in for x-rays. And I'm just sitting there like trying to process this because I don't want my kid to suffer for something that like, we're not doing a good enough job of, you know, and, um, it was just really hard to, to really focus on what she was saying. And so I tried. And so she said, you know, you can either come back in a, in a few weeks for, for x-rays, uh, or a few months, and we can just like kind of monitor it and, you know, really just make a really good attempt at, you know, getting those teeth really clean. And she's like, or there's also like sedation. So we would put him under general anesthesia. We would go in, we could really get good x-rays. We could see how deep those cavities are in the molars because like, I guess there's a potential for like root canals. And I'm like, oh my God, like, I feel like this mom that like, doesn't give a shit about her kid's teeth or what he's eating. And that's so not true. And so she's saying, you know, if he goes under sedation, they could do the x-rays. They, they could see where those cavities are. They could fill those cavities. They could fill the cavities between his front teeth. They could, you know, fill that, that space where the enamel's soft and really do a thorough cleaning. And just the thought of anesthesia just makes me really nervous. Like as a kid, I, I went under it. Um, I had 14 teeth out at one time. So I went under it like when I was 10, I seriously don't know how I had any teeth left. I had 10 baby teeth pulled and four adult teeth because my mouth was too small to hold all of my adult teeth. And my dad was always like, well, you would know it by how much you talk. Um, I don't know what teeth have to do with that and a mouth size. Like, I guess I kind of get it, but I'm just like, ha ha. Um, so I remember like going under sedation there and I didn't, I didn't have any qualms about it. Cause you know, like I was a kid. Um, but you know, it's like, I know there's always that slight risk that, that there's complications with anesthesia. And so it just makes me really nervous to, to think about my son having to go under for something like that. And, um, I just sat there and she's like, so, you know, what, what are you thinking? And I just like, I couldn't even talk like, cause I was just sitting there and I was just like looking at my son, just like innocently playing with the trains and stuff in her office. And I was just like, I feel awful. Like I feel awful. And so my husband said, you know, he's like, right now he's like, I'm fine going the conservative approach. Um, and so that's what we, that's what we left the office with, you know? Um, but then, but then we got out to the car and I was just like trying so hard, like just not to lose my shit. So then we, um, take my son to daycare and he didn't want to go to daycare and I didn't want him to go. Like, I really just wanted to stay with him like all day, just so I felt better, you know? And he felt better. And it was just like, he was just like so sad when we dropped him off at daycare. And I, I told the daycare provider, I'm like, it's been a really rough morning. So he's probably going to be more emotional than usual today. I just want to like prepare you for that. Um, and then I just like started crying as soon as we dropped him off because 
was like, wow, this, this is really the first time that like, I feel like I'm a bad mom. Like I'm not doing a good enough job with my son. And even though like, he's fine, like he's going to have to go through a really like intense procedure potentially because like we're not doing good enough at something. And I started thinking about how I felt about that with my son. And also, I just don't want him to ever suffer or be worse off in a situation because of something that I did, something that I had control over. And didn't do a good enough job at. And it made me think of, you know, my relationship with my parents and God, (laughs) all of the trauma I went through as a kid and honestly, even into adulthood and how I wish like my parents had had this sense of compassion towards me. And just me feeling like I'm a complete 180 from how I've perceived my parents to be. And I don't know if that that makes me even extra sensitive to this, but I was just like, I just, I don't want him to go through something like super intense because of something that I'm just not doing well enough at, you know? Um, And so that whole day I was a mess. Like I tried to concentrate at work and I just couldn't because I was just really torn with what the right thing to do was because there's that fear, you know, of something happening. Like if he's under anesthesia, And I mean, and he's this healthy kid, you know, and my husband's like, Chris, like if he goes under anesthesia to get dental work done, like that's the same thing that they do with the dogs. (laughs) I I get that, but I'm like, but he's not my dog. He's my child. And my dogs, my, my dog Snickers and Twinkie, when they got to a certain age, like we just stopped getting dental work done because they both had heart murmurs and, um, you know, like it, it wasn't worth the risk that, I mean, they were getting old and I think we stopped getting them dental work, like at age, like 13, maybe. Um, and unfortunately like one or two years before they passed, like they both had to undergo emergency surgery. And I mean, that was a, probably one of the the few times in my life where I was literally like on my knees praying that they got through that surgery. And thankfully they both did. Um, but I'm like, this isn't my dog. This is my kid. And Snickers and Twinkie were absolutely like my babies, but I'm just like, this is my child, you know? And that day was just a really hard day. 
you know, and I was really trying to think, I'm like, is this my, my ego? Like I was really trying to just like understand like why I was feeling the way that I was. And I, I think it was just like, like I felt guilty, you know, like I, I felt like I was a bad mom. And my son deserves the best of everything just because he is. And this is like a place where I felt like I was failing him. And I know what it feels like to have your parents, like to feel like your parents failed you. And I was like, I don't ever want him to feel that way. And so uh, I was so happy to like see him that night. And, you know, I, I had connected with a few people, um, you know, here on Instagram, not here on Instagram, but on Instagram and just kind of talked through things. And uh, Tuesday I woke up and I'm like, well, Monday afternoon, I, I reached out to the doctor's office and, um, just asked for an estimate for the procedure, just so I could know like what, what to look at from a financial perspective. And so the next morning I thought about it and I'm like, you know, I really feel that, um, just being cautious, like, what is that going to accomplish? Like, ultimately, like, we're going to have to do this anyway, like the molars aren't going to fall out for a really long time. The front teeth, I think as early as six, I think she said. Um, so like, is it just going to always be this wait and see thing? And, you know, plus like, we're going to be moving by summer and I'm like, I really just want to go and know that this like is just handled. And so when the assistant called us to review the estimate, um, she was really great. And I just started crying and I said, I just, I just feel like I'm being like such a bad mom, you know? And, um, I said, that's, that's just what a heart, a heart is like, I feel like my son's going through this because like I failed him. I needed to take a pause to let it out. Um, I was like, I just feel like I'm failing him. You know, and she reassured me. She's like, no, she's like, it's hard. You know, it's hard. And, and, you know, some kids teeth are just like more porous than others. And my husband had told me that. Um, and she's like, I, I understand, you know? And so she, walked us through how the procedure would work. And basically what they would do is give him an injection with us, um, that puts him in like a twilight state and then they take him back. And then that's when they give him like the IV and everything. And I was like, okay. Yeah. Cause I was like wondering like how that would work, but it just, the thought of him like going somewhere without me, like it just, 
man, it's, it's like, it's really hard. And I, I think of like all these parents where their, their children have had multiple procedures and really like extensive invasive surgeries. And I'm just like, my God, you know, and I realize like, I really want to acknowledge, like, just because these parents go through this stuff, doesn't negate my own experience and my own feelings. It's just like me just acknowledging, like there are parents that go through this all the time, you know, and my heart goes out to them because I'm going through this now. And this is so hard. And so I just admire them. I mean, I actually, the the, um, the girl that used to groom my dog Snickers and Twinkie, she, she has had her share of stuff with her children and one of, one of them in particular. And I, I've sent her numerous messages and I'm just like, I want to say like, I don't know how you do this, but you're a mom and you're a parent and it's like, you have no choice. And so I just told her, I said, I just, I really admire you and respect you for just being you and, and being able to support your daughter through all of this and still be the mom that your other kids need. And I hope you taking care of you, you know, I mean, that's, she like came to mind as soon as I said that, um, but the thought of my son, like going through that, like without me there and me not knowing, like, it's just, um, it's just really hard. And I guess the procedure will take two hours. And she's like, you know, you guys can hang out in the waiting room. And she's like that way, like if there's a change in the treatment or, you know, we just want to update you on how everything's going, you're there. And I'm like, can I keep a bottle of tequila in my purse? And she's like, well, we don't know what you put in those hydro flasks. So that's totally fine. And I told my husband, like, I don't even really drink tequila. (laughs) I'm like, I just felt like I had to say something because I feel like that's just going to be like the most nerve wracking two hours of my life, aside from probably like when my dogs were in surgery, you know? Um, it's going to be really hard. And, you know, I, I told her, I said, we'll go ahead and do this and they can't get him in until April, but we're on like a list just in the, in the event that he's able to get in sooner. Um, because I guess the anesthesiologist only comes once a month and then they have three kids per visit. So it kind of made me feel better to like, know that, you know, this is, this is like a semi-common occurrence, you know? Um, but then my mind started going down this rabbit hole. Like I was like, okay, like it's just one anesthesiologist. I'm like, so what happens? Like I'm talking to my husband. I'm like, so what happens if the anesthesiologist like has a heart attack in the middle of the procedure? And he's like, well, he's not going to like shoot him like full of like you know, uh, anesthesia, like as he's going down, you know, and, and I was like, no, I'm like, it's just what happens to, to Milo, like, you know, like assuming that that doesn't happen, like what happens? And he's like, if that happened, they would just stop the procedure and let him come out of the anesthesia. And I'm like, oh, okay. And, and (laughs) I told him, I said, I bet if I asked the dentist that 
they would be like, literally no one else has asked us this question. (laughs) And I'm like, well, that's my anxious mind. Like Russell Crowe had a, had a beautiful mind. Christy Madero, she has an anxious mind. And so I like, I told myself though, I'm like, I have to stop doing this because this is not doing me any favors. And I don't like 99.9% of the time, like it's going to be fine. And so I saw something on Instagram that was talking about faith and fear and how really you can only choose one. So you can focus on being in fear of something, or you can really focus on having faith that things are going to work out. And it was just like generally speaking, but there was something about that that like really resonated with me. And I think I was absolutely meant to see that. And so I actually saw that a couple of times and I had, and and I had actually happened to choose the word faith for one of my passwords at work. Um, I'm not giving you the full password by the way, and you don't even know for what, but I was just like, okay. Um, I have to just have faith like Michael Jackson. No, George Michael, what George Michael sang about, you know, like I just have to have faith and, um, you know, I have a shirt that says faith over fear that I got when all of this COVID stuff started. Um, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to wear that on the day of his procedure. And, um, yeah, like I just, I have faith because my only other option for me is fear and that doesn't serve me. And having fear isn't, about that. It's not kind to myself. It's not kind to my son because I know how I am when I really get anxious and worried. And so I'm just like, okay, like faith it is. Um, so faith it is. And I'm sharing this story with you because I know many moms listen and I think there are all times when we feel like we're failing when we're not the mom that we want to be when maybe we yell at our kids or speak to them in a, in a tone more harsh than we'd like, or something like this, where you feel like you're really busting your ass to do a good job and stuff happens. And it's like, well, maybe you're not, it's really hard to sit with that and i think it it's hard for a couple of reasons you know like i think most of us really want to be the best version of ourselves with our children for no other reason than we love them and they deserve nothing less than our best and i think to what makes it hard is knowing like, we're not these superhumans, you know, we're, we're going to mess up or we can do everything that's within our control to do. And there's still that one piece that may be out of our control, you know? And so what lesson is there 
in that entire experience. And for me, um, I feel like it's having grace and compassion for ourselves, admitting that we're not perfect. If you speak in a tone more harsh than, than you intended, like apologize to your kid, explain why that's so powerful for me in instances like this, it's like, I really feel like I said, I've done my best and this doesn't mean that I'm a bad mom. It doesn't mean that I'm not doing something good enough. That means I'm trying my best. And that is good enough. And it's really hard because even as I say that, there's this voice that's like, but yeah, look at his teeth. Look at his teeth. Like if it was good enough, would his teeth still be like that? And I'm like, I don't know. But if I focus on that, how does anyone benefit from that? Like if I knew that I went days and didn't brush his teeth or that there were nights where I skipped brushing his teeth, then I think I might, that, that might be able to sink its teeth in a little bit deeper with me. But I know that that's not the case. And I know how I brush his teeth. And I'm taking a lot more time doing it now because I'm like, okay, well, this is, maybe I just wasn't doing it long enough. I don't know, but I'll try to change something up. You know, I hear a lot of people saying like, you know, kids, don't need a perfect mom. They just, they need you to be you and they need you to just do the best that you can do at that moment in time. And it's kind of hard again, when I think it's something that's like tangible like this, you know, but I'm learning. And I feel like this is a great opportunity for me, like I said, to extend grace and compassion towards myself. To be kind to myself. And it's also an opportunity for me to place my faith above my fear. And let faith really just guide me in this because that feels better than fear. And so if you're listening and you're a mom and you feel like there's something that you aren't doing enough of, 
really sit back and think about it, reflect on it, and show yourself grace and compassion and treat yourself as though you would your best friend coming to you with the same situation. And admit that you're human, that you're likely doing the best you can in that moment. And that in these situations, there are always opportunities for us to learn and grow so that we can become an even better version of ourselves, a truer version of ourselves, and maybe even a better mom. You know, before I got pregnant, they said, you know, parenting is one of the hardest jobs, but also one of the most rewarding. And there's definitely never been an experience that I've had that has stretched me in so many ways, yet at the same time filled my heart with so much joy. And I love my son more than anything in the world. And I never, ever want to feel like I failed him in any capacity. But there are probably going to be those times where I feel like that. And as long as I acknowledge that even if there is something that I could have done differently, it doesn't make me any less than as a mom and as a person. It doesn't mean I'm a failure as a person. It doesn't mean I'm a failure as a mom. It just means I'm human and you are too. So if you've ever felt like a bad mom, (laughs) I hope this has made you feel less alone. It's really hard sometimes um, when you love your kids so freaking much and you see them in an experience or a situation that you have little to no control of. And I think that's part of this for me too, is I don't have control of certain things. And again, I think that's where faith comes into play. So I'm trying to look at this from a broader perspective, and I hope that it's encouraged you to do the same when those moments arise because they will, and they probably will arise with our children for the remainder of our lifetimes, just in different ways. So thank you so much for listening. As I said, I really hope that this has made you feel less alone. If you've had moments where you've just doubted yourself, it's normal, but let's 
let's try to uh, not linger on that and just trust ourselves and really have faith in ourselves because that feels better and it's probably better for everybody. So as always, friends, thank you so, so much for listening. I appreciate you so much. Um, If you know of another mom that you think may want to hear this podcast, please share it with them. Um, If something about this resonated with you, I would love for you to share it in your stories and tag me. And then I will then share it kind of like inception of stories. But um, sometimes you just need someone to talk to, you know? And so I thank you at times for being that person for me. And likewise, as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, if you have a story to tell, if you have an experience that you've learned from, that you've grown through, and you think others would benefit from that, I want to give you space to share your story. So you can send me a DM again at awaken the extraordinary on Instagram, or you can send me an email, Christy, K-R-I-S-T-I at awakentheextraordinary.com. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for being here and I'll talk with you soon.